14 pages, so... And I have next week's message all lined out, too, as much as the Lord, you know, so so I'm just going to go for about 35 or 40 minutes. I absolutely love this topic topic about organizing your mind and uh, organizing your mind towards the things of heaven or the rhythm of heaven. So, but I want to start with this, that most of us believe, or if if we're challenged, we believe there is two trees in the Garden of Eden. A tree of good and a tree of evil. There were two trees, but there was a tree of good and evil and the tree of life, right? There's only two trees in the garden. So what we, we mistakenly organize our mind lined up with what is good and not what is evil. But really, we're not supposed to organize our mind lining up with good or evil that we choose, not good principles versus bad principles, but we line our minds up according to Christ, according to life. There's a huge difference, isn't there? But we want to demand that we get the right, the right answer. What's good, what's bad, what's good, bad. And when we're always organizing our mind in comparison and contrast with others, and as times change, we get really confused. And we also, we also can lose out on life if we keep doing good, but we're not choosing life. We keep choosing death. And so when we organize our mind, we're clearly, clearly, it's, 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 it's really wise to organize your mind Towards good finances, towards good, good good financial principles. Of course, it's good to organize your mind into good relational dynamics of how you live and how you talk, how you show up, and things like that. Of course, it's good to organize your body, uh, eating well, sleeping well, exercising enough at every season of your life. Those are all good things. Those are all things we want. We're not saying don't do that, but generally, most of our attention should be organized around life or the rhythm of heaven that we talked about in Psalms uh, all, all summer, the rhythm of heaven, the consistent heartbeat that's coming out of heaven. So we're not looking, oh, I have a problem. What's the good thing and what's the evil thing for me to do? Because what happens, we're like, oh, I have a weight problem. I have a sickness problem. Well, there's this or this. One's good and one's better than the other. But that's the wrong beginning. The right beginning is seek life is we always turn to Jesus for every problem, financial, weight, and everything. And then Jesus going to him, then there's some practical things we do secondarily. Jesus is primarily always who we organize our mind towards, all right? And I'm a principled person. I really am. I live by principles. You can ask Victoria and Cresha. It's like I'm watching a movie and it's 930 and I go to bed at 10 o'clock. I stop the movie even if there's only 30 minutes left. I, have, I live by that principle. I get up, I go to bed, I'll watch that movie some other time. But I go I, And I wake up at a certain time and I get up and I shower and I dress. And even though my office is in my house... At 6 o'clock, I'm sitting at my desk, and I've got my day already principled out. But that itself doesn't bring life. That's an outcome of seeking life in this way over here. Everything that you want in life, everything is a spiritual beginning that will manifest itself tangibly in the physical realm. Seek first the kingdom of God. It doesn't say seek first the kingdom of God, and you'll be better off. In your spirit, it says, seek first the kingdom of God and these tangible things that you can see will be provided for you. That's our beginning. Always, 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 no matter what you want. And in first Corinthians 12, I'm going to, you know, we're going to talk about spiritual gifts. And we always 
we always want to talk about spiritual gifts in as simple a way as we can, but as deep as we can. I gave you an acrostic for, for gifts, G-I-F-T-S. It's God's invitation to his friends that he trusts with the supernatural. Spiritual gifts are God's invitation to his friends, G, God's invitation, I, to his friends, F, that he trusts T with the supernatural S. Scripture says we are friends of God, we are brothers of Jesus, we are in our adoption, we come up and here's Jesus and we don't come, we come up here right to the same favor and the same potential anointing as Jesus had when we trust and give our life to him. So in that, we, we want to walk in the supernatural. In fact, if we're, if we're connected to the rhythm of heaven and our mind is organized to that, we will be thinking more supernaturally. We'll be clearer on actually what's going on in our finances or our health and life around you. Now, last week I spoke about how the demonic doesn't build strongholds in our life, but the demonic actually inhabits strongholds in our life. Now, strongholds in our life, it says in Scripture, and I'm just going to summarize last week a little bit, says in Scripture that they're always in our thoughts, right? It doesn't say they're in our heart. Strongholds are in our thoughts, and we often build strongholds to protect ourselves during a hard season. And then we keep that stronghold and the demons come and then they inhabit that stronghold. And then they attack us from that stronghold that we've built. And we build it line upon line, action upon action, experience upon experience. And the demons come in and we, we cast out demons out of that stronghold, but then sometimes we leave it unorganized. We leave that stronghold unorganized. So we cast the demons out of that stronghold of our thoughts that we built, but then we don't build it with new thoughts. We don't destroy it and then erect the righteous stronghold. Strongholds, we always think of because of the scripture, they're negative, but they're a positive. So when we get rid of a stronghold of bitterness or unforgiveness, they're supposed to be built right there, a stronghold of forgiveness and acceptance and grace and peace. One, one that the Spirit of God continuously inhabits. And then that's a protecting stronghold. A stronghold is built higher and it sees more of the territory. By the way, the strongholds that you build are actually in your mind, which is your promised life. Your mind is part of your promised life. It should be clear. It should be clean. It should be connected to heaven. And you build it there. And so then you begin to invite the enemy, the demonic, into a stronghold that's in your promised land. How dumb is that? And, but what happens, we build up that stronghold and it's higher and it's full and it's stronger. And that stronghold is protecting itself from you getting breakthrough in that area. So you come into a church and somebody gives you a, a, a prophetic word or you hear a teaching and the stronghold sees that teaching come way in advance. The stronghold is going to talk about bitterness, is going to talk about unforgiveness, is going to talk about rage, is going to talk about laziness. And your stronghold gets, is on high alert and it begins to distract you from hearing that message. Some of us 
need, some of us need to really engage in spiritual gifts. But what happens, we have a stronghold that's anti-mystery, that's anti, I don't want to be out of control. I want a church environment that's controllable. So I'll choose this over here because every time I go somewhere else where the spirit of God's moving, my stronghold gets super excited. And I think it's just my discernment, but it's my demons telling me to be careful because something's coming to destroy the stronghold in my life. So I get out of that environment. I mean, who wants to be around Herman if you've got demons? I'm serious. It's super irritating. If you have financial problems, what do you do? We confess our financial problems to people that have the same problems. We don't go to somebody who's successful financially because it's irritating. It's really hard. It's really uncomfortable to think, wow, I've done it wrong. I've been sinning in the way I'm thinking about my finances. So we just keep complaining at this level. So those strongholds are in our mind. They, you can call them, we, we've called them neural pathways, ruts, the way we think, the way the pathways in our brain. We've talked about that the last three or four weeks when it comes to speaking in tongues and receiving the prophetic and words of wisdom and words of knowledge. But what happens when the prophetic or words of wisdom or words of knowledge comes about, you have this rut, right? And it's caused by thinking. If you think, I am unattractive, I'm unattractive, I'm unattractive because somebody in your childhood told you you were unattractive. You had a really gawky 11, 12, 13, 14, 15-year-old. It doesn't matter how beautiful you became, you still have that rut, so you're still looking for an outside source to tell you you're beautiful. That's a stronghold. That's a neural pathway in your brain. And it's some of us, it's a giant river. And, and then we have a little bit of the water or the anointing of the Holy Spirit come in, and it drops, and we're like, Whoa! I'm like, I'm amazing. I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. But what happens is that torrent of the rut, just, it just all gets junked up in there. It all gets washed away. So we have these moments of teaching, of Holy Spirit, of prophetic words, but we've not organized our mind. We've not said, I have a stronghold that's destroying and eating up the righteousness in my life, and I'm going to be aware of that, and I'm going to start working on <clears throat> enlarging this rut or this stronghold that's a stronghold that's connected to the kingdom of heaven. Okay? So, I don't know how I got off track there, but... That's really good stuff. So we build the strongholds. We break the strongholds down. Now we break them down. A lot of times we need some sort of explosive punch to the brain to make us realize we're walking in bitterness. To make us realize we're walking in no faith. There's so many Christians walking in no faith. In zero faith. You hear what the Lord says, and you go, oh, I think I believe that. And then the next day, somebody says, you're stupid. And you're like, well, I definitely believe that. And you throw away what God said. That is compromised faith. That's having no faith. We build them. We tear them down. And they were built. Well, let me read, let me read some scripture here. <clears throat> in, verse, uh, in, in chapter 12. Out of the passion, the same God distributes different kinds of miracles that accomplish different results through each believer's gift and ministry as he energizes and activates them. Each believer is given continuous revelation by the Holy Spirit to benefit not just himself, but all. I want you to tap yourself on your chest and say, I have continuous revelation. 
I have continuous revelation. And if you're trying to do battle in your life on yesterday's revelation, you've missed it. You missed it. You know, my brother has a flip phone. It can't run anything that was created in the last five or six years. Nothing. In fact, remember when you had to like to get one to get one letter, you had to type three times with because it was little three symbols on there. That's what it's like, like living on yesterday's revelation. We have continuous revelation from the Lord for us through the connections through the Holy Spirit, through the prophetic voice that we're going to talk about, through words of wisdom, through words of knowledge, through the teachers, the preachers, the pastors, the apostolic. We have that continuous revelation. And that continuous revelation isn't something new all the time. Ooh, now I'm super interested in Israel. Ooh, now I'm super interested in oil. Ooh, now I'm super interested in blank. Ooh, now I'm going to follow this preacher. It's always for our life, for us to live a certain way, to benefit us and everyone around us. Here's some, it says varieties of spiritual gifts in my heading here for verse 8. For example, the Spirit gives to one the gift of the word of wisdom. We're going to talk a little bit about that if I get it to it. To another, the same Spirit gives the gift of the word of revelation, knowledge, which is the word of knowledge. To another, the same Spirit gives the gift of faith. And to another, the same Spirit gives gifts of healing. And to another, the power to work miracles. And to another, the gift of prophecy, which we're going to talk about. To another, the gift to discern what the Spirit is speaking, which we're going to talk about maybe. I want to like give that maybe the whole time. And to another, the gift of speaking different kinds of tongues, which we've gone over that like a lot, overemphasizing that. And to another, the gift of interpretation of tongues. Remember that it is the same Holy Spirit who distributes, activates, and operates these different gifts as he chooses for each believer. So I want to talk about today and next week about uh, speaking. I've already covered excessively speaking in tongues, interpretation in tongues. So I want to work, focus on words of wisdom, words of knowledge, prophetic, and discernment. And those are like the six speaking gifts here, okay? They take, they take a language to articulate them. Healing, you can lay your hand on somebody and they can be healed. You don't have to say anything. But you can't give a prophetic word or a word of knowledge or a word of wisdom without speaking. If you could text it, but that would be considered communicating, okay? So we're going to talk about those four. So these neural pathways are these ruts in our brain that are created with, so they're, they're created. And we create them. They're actually given to us by as children when, when something happens to us. It could be a trauma. It could be an accident. And then in your mind go, I'm not safe. I need to protect myself. I need to always be sure I'm careful. It's a neural pathway. It could be your first relationship blows up and it's bad. So you're like, I never can trust men. I never can trust women. So even if you get married, you still don't trust who you're with sort of thing. And then you're, what you're doing, it's so deep that all the information, you're, all the input you're getting in from the world about men are good and women are good and God is good and the world's safe, you're still, you're still interpreting all the data as a negative to, 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 to confirm what you already believe is in that rut. So when you hear the scripture that God loves you, that you're 100% lovable, we made that declaration at the beginning of last year, I think, that I'm 100% lovable and all of those things. But your mind is going, everybody else is, but you're not. Nope, not you. And here's all the proof why you're not, because you did this. And, and when your mind begins listing out to you why you don't get the favor of God, why you don't, you don't have a, sp- uh, a spiritual gift, why you don't have favor, why you're not 100% lovable, you know that's the demons from your stronghold speaking to you in your own mind. 
That's where most of the demonic activity is going on. It's, it, 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 is, it is drugs, alcohol, not, not, not alone, but, but we see the manifestation of drug, alcohol, sexual abuse, violence, and dark, dark negativity type things. Those are like the five areas we would see a physical manifestation. But we know that many of us walk around with these negative loops in our head. And God does not talk to us in a loop, by the way. He talks to us in a journey, like we're going somewhere. We're on our way somewhere all the time. We're going. He doesn't loop, 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 loop. You're awful, you're awful, you're awful. He does loop, you're wonderful, but he doesn't even stay stay with you're wonderful. He starts using every adjective for fearfully and wonderfully made. And the language he's speaking in heaven, you wouldn't even understand. If you saw a picture of yourself up in heaven, you wouldn't recognize yourself because you're so busy talking bad about yourself. And, our, and thank you, I mean talking bad up here. I don't mean talking bad about ourselves. Because the, 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 the image of God is within me. And if I, have, if I use my imagination on my own, out of my own neural pathways, out of my own ruts, then what happens is I'm using my imagination to oppose what God says about me. So I'm using my imagination. Imagine I'm not very good. I don't have much favor. I don't deserve very much. I'm not well thought of. I'm not well liked by God. Uh, God has his grace for everybody except for me. I see it in them, 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 and them. I pray for them, 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 and them. But I don't get it because here's my 16 reasons or my 1600 reasons. Then what we're using, we're using our imagination to imagine ourselves as other than God is actually seeing us and declaring who we are. All right? So these neural pathways are super important. Really, really important. It's the reason I did a little Facebook Live today out of uh, where it says um, that they're always learning but never coming into an understanding. They're always learning but never, but never actually acting anything out. That is a sign of an unorganized mind. That is a sign of ruts in your brain that are so deep that the Word of God... And I tell you what, that's why... People want church to be comfortable. I, that's why we, that's the main reason we don't want to pursue spiritual gifts. Because we will be uncomfortable and we will make people around us uncomfortable. But if we think about that. You're paying the doctor a lot of money to do surgery on you, to cut you open, to brutally slice you open and change something in you and take something out of you. You're paying them for discomfort. But you won't. You won't go to God for any sort of emotional discomfort because you're scared to death of like being afraid or being exposed or, or God knowing something about you that he doesn't already know, which never happens. So what we do, we, we, we cre- we've created an atmosphere of church should be super comfortable. It's not supposed to be comfortable. You should be so uncomfortable because the Holy Spirit should be in here saying, I want more for you. Not I expect more. You're a bad kid. I can't believe you're doing that. But, man, I've got so many gifts for you. And, and what do we know about gifts? This is the simplest thing we know about gifts. You need a giver and you need a receiver. We have a perfect giver and we're really crummy at receiving. And what he says, he says, I have gifts for you. Just ask for them and pursue them. We're like, well, no, I'm not worthy. He's like, I call you worthy. Well, I don't care what you say. I believe myself over you. No, don't give me anything. We do it all. We do it constantly. So everybody that's in here, that's why we've talked about we ask for spiritual gifts. We say, you say I have one. I believe I have one. I want one. But the thing is, then you have to like start acting upon it. And I'm going to give you an example of me acting upon it. I've never, I don't know that I've ever had a word of knowledge. 
I don't have very many prophetic words. Um, I do have a lot of words of wisdom. And that's something I was surprised with about in my 40s. I took a, a uh, test on gifts, and it was a wisdom gift. And I was like, what the heck? I never knew that. You know, I have a brother that always says I'm always wise, always think everything through. And I've never thought that he was right. About 10 years ago, I'm thinking, so I started pursuing wisdom, and it's paid off a lot for me. That's, my, that's, that's a main gift I work in, and um, that's the main thing I give. And we talk about that if I get time here. Went to a meeting at another church, New Life Church, a couple weeks ago. Cresha was there, sat down, immediately irritated. This kid in front of me, I always like, it. I always like an end row, so I'm right here. I kid you not, he's like this big. He's like, I mean, he's just huge. And I'm like, oh, so I'm having to like do this on Facebook, Facebook Live in the first part of it. And, and uh, then the Lord convicts me about me being irritated. And immediately I got a picture of him. And I want to tell you, the picture was a picture of a giant. was of a giant. Everybody else is about this big. And this giant is running. He's running, he's running, he's running, and he's running towards these giant gates of this giant wall. He's been pelted with arrows. That's, that's, my, that's the image I get. That's a ridiculous image to have in church, right? And the, the, the story that it comes from is a story most of us wouldn't watch. But I had that in mind along with Earl Campbell, who played for the Houston Oilers. I kid you not, because when I saw that giant running, the way Earl ran was just like, it's like if you ever get to see him, it's, it's like different than anybody runs now. He had like thighs like this. And, and so you, we can just ignore all of that. That could just be me. But what if it's not just me? What if I am a, a receiver of spiritual gifts and I'm there and God wants to give me something. He wants to give me something for him specifically. So I asked God, what do you want me to know? What, and I, I like to start with, what do you like about them? That's something I learned a couple years ago. Just when you're in a situation, and say your mind going, I hope they like me. I hope this isn't boring, which is always my go-to is I hope this isn't boring. Um, I'm like, what, you know, what do you want to know? And I kept hearing, seek first the kingdom of God, and all these things will be added into you. That's not uncommon. Um, uh Man, and I almost started weeping about 15 minutes into worship. It was cut up into three different sections. I got this super vivid picture. I'm going to share that with you. Um, and I shared this with him. I, I, I told him after service I had my name. I didn't have my cards. My phone was dead. I had my name and my number. I said, I, I have a word for you. If you want it, text me tomorrow morning. So he did. And I left the house, and he texted me. I said, I'll give it to you. And I, I, knew I, I knew I needed to write it down because I did it in, in my writing. I knew I wasn't going to be able to read it if I waited 24 hours. Um, I felt God saying that he loves your silent, deep spirit, how you take it all in through your spirit, assess it by his word and by his love, instead of by relying mostly on what you can see and hear. Then I got a vivid picture of you as a giant charging at something like part of a military campaign, but also standing out so much because you were 100 times larger than everything and any, everyone that was charging. And I don't mean marching. I mean charging like full force, bent forward, focus on what was in front of you. You were charging towards a city, a walled city, towards the gates of the city. They were gates of a stronghold fortified by the enemy, yet it was not the city of the enemy. 
It was a city overtaken by the enemy, fortified by the enemy, and God was using you to break down the gates in order for the rest of the charging force to enter in and overtake their city. See, so there's an image I had, then there's an interpretation of what the image was, right? That's, that's, that, and so we, 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 once we, and we start dissecting those things so that we know how they operate. So I've been, you know, it's only been four or five years, but I, I try to like, if I hear something, I try to ask God and go on it. It's a muscle that works. You all know how to go in a room and be awkward and shy, right? You all know how to go into a room and feel bad about being in that room. I don't know anybody. I don't know who to talk to, right? That's a practice muscle of your neural pathways. We, we all know that. But, but what about if we practiced hearing in the kingdom realm? The city was fortified by the enemy, which was shrouded, hidden in old religious and soulish way of man's thinking and living. You were taking a lot of arrows, I mean a lot, yet you couldn't fill them and they were not slowing you down. They were many, but they were tiny. It wasn't your physical size that was protecting you, but rather the size of your belief in a good father, a kind God. It was also like you had a a density. Hold on a second here. A thickness to your skin protecting the softness of your heart, protecting the clarity and tenderness of how you think. Others were looking on and telling you to stop because they were focused on the arrows you were taking. They were focused on the walls of the enemy and the seemingly impossible task before them, the destroying and the removal of the gates. And in their mind's eye and their belief, they could not see themselves as being victorious and therefore could not see you being victorious either. They were growing weary. They were backing down and they began to make their camp once again outside the city they were trying to take back, getting back to a normal life outside of their city, outside of their promises. But you could see it. The sight seems to start within you and then then hits your heart and then your mind and then no thing or nothing, uh, no one will be able to stop you. You will not wear the armor of another, the armor of those who have gone before you and given up the fight. The armor of the king is not for you, but the clothing of the shepherd, the poet, the God lover is all the protection you need. You will fight from a different space from within you with a new suit of armor of protection that is somehow not armor at all. And you will fight towards the city. Uh, this is what I saw. I almost started crying. It was really super powerful and pure. Blah, 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 blah. Um, I do believe the city is not one of the enemy, but one occupy the enemy. I feel like you will be asked maybe constantly to fight and to think like everyone else, like they're asking you to be a soldier, but instead God is making you a warrior. A soldier is a single faceted individual in military fatigues uh, who takes orders, but a warrior is also the poet, the shepherd, the man of wisdom, and the lover. The last thing is that when you are running at the city gates, your focus is not the city gates, but is on what is inside the city gates. Like your vision goes beyond just what you are fighting against, and instead your vision is on what you, what, who you, instead your vision is on what you, is what or who you are fighting for. There's a huge difference. Then I, I put this all the time whenever I send anybody anything or talking about it. I say, remember, take any word and judge it. Allow others in your life to help you judge it. Do not make any decisions, directions based on the prophetic word alone, but rather on a wholeness of what God is saying and doing. If you want any clarification or further conversation in this area, let me know. I'll be happy to get with you somehow. So I text that to him Sunday morning a week ago. And he responds. I'm, this is, I, I should have, like, kept his response. was like, holy smokes, I feel like God's calling me to do this. And I'm afraid that I won't have friends. And I'm afraid, how do I get married if I pursue this line of ministry. Now, I don't know what that ministry is, but I had given him a word also before that seek first the kingdom. That scripture, I gave that to, uh, that's what I did talking about. And that means that a, a wife will be provided for you if you want one. It means all of those things. It means every tangible thing that you can think in your life. But you seek the kingdom. You seek the kingdom. You seek the kingdom. 
And so he respond, we responded back and forth Sunday afternoon, and we'll probably get together down the road. But the thing is, it starts with, it starts with a weird giant running towards a city gate. It starts with a weird giant running towards a city gate. That's all it starts with. So when you go, when you go into a room and you're thinking, man, I keep hearing this song. I keep hearing this song. You can think, oh, that's just, that's just me. That's just me. I just keep hearing this song. You, or you can, ask, you can ask the Lord, God, what is this song for? Is this song for anybody? It's when you're, when, you're, when you're thinking about church, when you're thinking about people. We've got Facebook. We've got texting. We've got email. We've got the easiest conduit to sit and hear the Holy Spirit and craft out what he's saying and taking risk right from our, right from our smartphone instead of scrolling on Facebook all the time, instead of Instagramming, Snapchatting, and tweeting. We've got, we can do all of that in Jesus' name. We can utilize the te- best technology ever. The entire world changed when the printing press came around in the, 14th, uh, in the late 1400s. It all, it all changed. All of a sudden, information and data became more available than it's ever been before. We have that opportunity to communicate. The world's dying for you to communicate the heart of God to them. They're dying. And some of you, have, some of you hear numbers and names and figures. You're like, ah, just whatever. You say, God, what, what's... Who's Susie? What is Su- God, is there a Susie? You've heard me come up here and give, hey, is there anybody here that knows a Karen and nobody knows a Karen? And we don't make it up if we don't know a Karen. We just, I keep hearing this phrase. I keep hearing this word. I keep hearing this. And we offer this as gifts. And there's no receiver. If we got it wrong, we're completely okay with it. The world is dying for you. People don't trust ministers like they used to, especially the crew under 35 years old. Who do they trust? People they know, people they see their lives, people they see changing their lives, people they see growing and maturing and doing life better, being kinder than they've ever been, been being less addicted than they've ever been. Not completely unaddicted, not completely out of anger, not complete, but, but God is doing something. So all of us are the light and the salt of the world, and we're to do that. Instead, we go, oh, God, I hope so-and-so gets blank, but we don't want to give them blank. We don't want to be the person. We don't want to be the jackass speaking for God, right? But we do. We do. I mean, he can speak through, you know, that we don't want to be that. But why not? Why not us? Why not us? Why not us? Then you just say, have to say, why not me? Why not me praying for that? Not making something up, anything like that. I don't mean anything like that. So I'm going to kind of like mash up some of this. Uh, and let me tell you wrong. That, that, that. What I got for that young man, I wrote like seven pages in my notebook, standing up, trying not to cry, trying to stay focused. Couldn't believe it kept going and going and going. Then I sat down Sunday morning about 530 and I, and I, and I cleaned it all up, put it down there, put the beginning an introduction and I put a end. And still, when I sent it Sunday morning, I was still afraid. I was still nervous because all I know I saw the back of this kid. I, the only way I would recognize him if he was sitting in front of me with his big giant head and his big shoulders. I know his name now. I have his phone number. I have his contact information. But that's, that's all I know. The thing is, is we, faith is spelt R-I-S-K. R-I-S-K. We've got to risk it. Victoria's like, going, what's R-I-S-K? I thought it was spelled F-A-I-T-H. You got to risk it. You got to. You got to be uncomfortable. You got to be willing to have people be uncomfortable. You have to do that. 
We have to, the world is, the world is, have you ever, like you sit down with lunch somebody and all, they, they just give you a torrent of gossip. They have the freedom to sit there and give you all the gossip that they know. But then we're over here going, oh gosh, I wish you would help them with the gossip. And said, hey, time out. Time, and stop. And let that, you, they're making you uncomfortable. Why not use your own, your own space to make them feel uncomfortable? Why not be listening instead of to the gossip to what the Holy Spirit is telling you to tell them? Maybe he's going to give you something for them. Maybe he's going to give you something for them. We have that. We you know we sit down. We can talk about how bad this is or how what the sports, and we can talk for hours about the Astros, and that's all wonderful. But, but if you want to organize your mind according to the Astros, who've never given you a dollar, who've never loved you, who the only way you get to see them even from like a quarter mile away for twenty seven dollars. It's going to cost you. You got to drive down there. You got to pay twenty something for parking. You got to pay five or eight or ten dollars for a hot dog. They don't love you. They've never done anything for you. If you want to organize your mind according to the Astros, according to the Kardashians, according to what your doctor tells you, you get to do that. But don't then expect your life to reflect in the life of abundance. Stop expecting that. Saying, "Oh." I'm organizing my life compared to everything the news is telling me. So my life should look chaotic. I should feel that the world's going to hell in a handbasket. Instead of the Lord is speaking to me, I'm going to organize my mind according to him. That's good stuff. Thank you. So, let me see. So when we have, what happens is speaking in tongues, word of wisdom, word of knowledge, prophetic, what they all do, they all aggravate the ruts. They all point out ruts. They all point out that there's something more mysterious than your own life experience, than the things that you've thought over and over and over and over again. And what they do, that's why they're, I think that's why they're not very cherished. And they're weird people, weird people practice them. But you don't quit going to work just because there's some bad employers, Right? I mean, you go to work and you get paid and you keep going to work even though you think you might be undervalued, you want another job. But you still keep going because you're not going to let 20 or 30 or 40, 50 percent of your work experience determine I'm never going to work again. You go to work. And so for Christians, we keep pursuing spiritual gifts. Even if we're not great at them, we begin and we fail. If you you will decide, if you'll wake up every morning and say, who am I going to see today? I'm going to see I'm going to see Joe. Okay, I'm going to like, I'm going to just go like, God, what do you love about Joe? Is there anything you want me to tell Joe about? Is there a scripture for Joe? And you're thinking about that when you're in front of them, your heart will be like completely different. Completely different. Completely different. Your mind will be different. The way you hear will be different. Because you hear, you hear and see life, not as life is happening, but according to how your neural pathways are set. How your mind is organized. You see according to how your mind is organized. I want you to see that. I want you to say, that's how come two people can experience the exact same thing. The exact same thing. And one person go, whoa, they were super mad, man. They yelled and screamed at me. Another person who was in that same group was like, man, they're super passionate. Man, I want some of that passion. The exact same, the exact same person speaking, and you're going to have everybody's going to have a different opinion on it based on their thought processes, based on the ruts. I think I used the, the definition for ruts is a grave with both ends kicked out. And so what we do when somebody's sick, we proclaim in Jesus' name that God's your healer. I'm praying for you. Blah blah blah. We get sick and we're like, oh, the, I believe the doctor. 
All the stuff I said, I have no belief in. I believe the doctor here. He said it. That's it. Not what he said. He's no longer my healer. Because the whole, the whole he's my healer fell into a bigger rut and got washed away and disorganized. And all the chaos of our lives and of our thinking. So, I wanna, and I want to, that's why when we begin to hear, we get discomfortable, discomfort, uncomfortable, not just, we get uncomfortable when we begin to hear. When the Lord says, oh, this is what I love about them. And, and then we say, well, what do you want me to do with it? Because I want you to deliver it. Then you can say, like, how do you want me to deliver it? And if you want to chicken out and text it to them or that, like I did, that, I didn't chicken out. That's the only way I had. Because I knew if I sat there and tried to read my writing, I couldn't do it. I had to, like, get down and, in some light and type it out so it could be readable. So, but if, you, if, we're, if we're thinking in that direction with that, that, that begins to disrupt our own comfort. Because you can't keep holding judgment on somebody when you're walking towards somebody in a meeting of somebody you hate. You're saying, God, how do I bless them today? How do I, is there anything you have for me to give them? How do I position myself where I'm super comfortable in the presence of my enemy? Instead of, I hate them, they're my enemy. I'm going to try to protect myself. And say, God, you're my protector. You're my comforter. You're my strong tower. I don't have to run into where I'm like, like I'm silent. I don't have to run into where I'm overbearing. I don't have to run into where I'm controlling. I can just say, I'm going to be at peace in this environment. And I'm going to relax in the presence of my enemy. You say Angela is my enemy. So sitting here like this, like all tense, I'm just going to be like, I'm going to be comfortable in the presence of my enemy because my enemy can't do anything to me. So, but if I'm looking at her compared to everybody that's hurt me, that's church hurt me, that's leadership hurt me, that's friendship hurt me, that's let me down, then it all falls into that space and she becomes my enemy in a stronger way than she would ever want to be, probably. And then I respond to her, and she responds to me, and it's a big mess. So, this is, I think this is what we get, something. So, I want, I want to connect discernment with these things, okay? So, discernment is the information, spiritually, that something's going wrong in this person's life. That there's something demonic, that there's something off, that they're lying to you. That they're not authentic, right? That's discernment. I've always thought that was prophetic until this year. That's not prophetic. That's discernment. So what we normally do with discernment is like, ooh, I don't like them. I don't want to be around them. But if the Lord's showing you discernment about somebody, he's wanting probably you to, 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 for you to love them like he does, like he accepts them. He doesn't reject them. And he's wanting you to hear further for something loving to speak in a word of wisdom, word of knowledge, or prophetic word. That includes our spouses too, by the way. That includes your best friend, by the way. That includes every. That includes your worst enemy. It's to be thinking. So the discernment is not the same as the prophetic. The prophetic and words of wisdom and words of knowledge actually are the activation of discernment. But whenever we get, whenever we get a word of wisdom, word of knowledge, whenever we get prophetic word, whenever there's discernment, it's not the end of the conversation. Giving a gift to us for the supernatural is actually an invitation into, now let's have a conversation further about this person or this situation, okay? It's not just like, that's it, boom, here, here's my gift. Pound, punch him in the face. So I'm going to end with this. And it's, it's, a, it's a very different word than um, for, for this guy. It's actually, I was driving, I got up one morning. Uh, it was, this was after my mother-in-law passed away. And I was so exhausted when I woke up, and I was thinking, why did I? And I didn't realize it was Sunday, honestly. I was like, whoa, it's Sunday. I think I went to bed that night. I was like, it's Sunday. Why didn't I get somebody to teach? I didn't know I was going to be so, so tired. And the Lord's like, 
No worries. And so I, I just went to sleep. I had a great night. I woke up. I was still, I was still tired, though. And um, super faith-filled munch, uh, munch, super faith-filled month. Um, uh, so I'm driving to work, and I'm praying for people. So I, I'm praying for Jim and Saudi. And well, I, I felt like I had something. I felt like just a sense to pray for Saudi. Then I just got busy in the morning, and then I was driving up here. I was coming down a hold the right. And I started praying for Jim again, and then, um, but it, it quickly diverted to praying for Saudi. And then um, I was thinking, I was seeing these trees; they were like super beautiful. I was like, Saudi likes trees; she loves trees; she loves flowers. Her name, her middle name, is like a flower, right? Uh, a, in a finished flower, did I got that right? Yeah, and things like that. And and um, and then I just, I was like, you know, I started talking to God, and I was just like, God, what do you, what do you love about Saudi? And I had to pull over to write write stuff down. And I, I mean, it was like. It was like super clear the image I have had of her, and this is what I sent to her before I came to church that morning. Actually, when I got when I before I pulled back on the road down here on Cherry Street, I said, "Saudi, there's a rule of painting called plein air, where the artist goes out into the wilderness or out into the city, sets up their easel and their canvas, and starts painting what is right in front of them. Even as they paint what is in front of them, the landscape is changing, becoming as clouds pass overhead and the sun moving westwardly in the sky, and all those things begin to change." I saw you entering into the wilderness and into the city both and standing before people with nothing but a a few brushes and an unlimited supply of paints. I mean, like not only every color, but every variation of every color. The interesting thing was that you only actually had basic colors, but you were brilliant at mixing the basic colors in order to get the exact shade and hue of what God wanted to express through you. You traveled without a canvas because the people in front of you who you meet are the canvases God wants you to paint on. Whether there was darkness or starkness, a mess or madness in front of you on that canvas of that person, you could barely see it or recognize it as darkness in them because you were seeing them from heaven's perspective. And the colors are your prophetic words. You paint. See, that's, that's, the prophetic, that's the prophetic imagery. And here's an interpretation of that. The colors are your prophetic words. You paint hope and grace and identity with your words. And they are simple, simple yet powerful tools for breaking down the strongholds of the enemy. I hadn't read this before. That's interesting. Uh, and you wrongly think that the basic colors you have are not enough. But when you start mixing them, believing you were created to paint... To prophesy, then you will have every word to paint beauty and hope into people. God has done and is doing and will do so much more to you, for you, and through you. Be willing to walk into spaces and paint them with your words. Completely different from a different source in a different way. One was just brought upon me as I sat in front of somebody and got through irritation. And I want you to know that I have no, this is what I want to get, I have no gifting of being a prophetic person. It doesn't matter. The gifts are the gifts, and the best gift is the one that God wants to give you right then. Okay? The best gift is the one God wants to give you right then. And, and so remember that. Sometimes helping somebody do their yard work is way better than a prophetic gift. Obedience is better than sacrifice. Obedience is better than you using your gift out of season. So... We all have the right, we were, all, it's, we were all created to be this way. We were all created to be connected to a spiritual thing happening and to deliver that spiritual thing. We've made revival in the church, 
But revival is in our, in our conversation. Revival is in our work. Revival is in our home. Revival is all of those things. And it's just a constant connection with Holy Spirit. Now, I spoke, up, I spoke about this at the very beginning of September. This is what I'm going to close with. I know I've gone, I'm going long. But it's a, it's a big surprise when a child is born without the ability to speak their parents' language and to understand their language, right? Super uncommon. Almost every child, doesn't matter if they, doesn't matter if they you know, talk at, at two years old. Victoria was silent, 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 silent. She could hear everything we said. We would be like, I don't know where my shoes went. I don't know where my tennis shoes went. Victoria, two years old, would bring us our tennis shoes because she knew they were. She was super observant. And then all of a sudden, I forget it. Was she, all of a sudden, she's talking in full sentences. Some kids blather and blah, 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 and work their way. Zeke talked. We have Zeke on video. He talks like five words a minute, and Victoria talks like 100 words a minute. It's completely, completely different. He went to some speech therapy to get his speech. um, He had some speech problems at at four years old. So, but but it's 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 a surprise if you can't comprehend your parents' language. But we have to remember we have a dad who has a language that's a heavenly language that we should be surprised that we don't hear from him. Instead, we're like, whoa, I'm really surprised I have a prophetic word. We should just be, of course I have a word of wisdom. Of course I have tongues. Of course I'm connected to heaven. Of course I'm discerning. I'm like my dad. I've been around him long enough. But we're like super surprised and almost wrongly honoring of people who have this gift. And we should just say, they got it. They're nothing more than me. I want it. And we should go out and passionately pursue it. All right, stand up. Please. Now, all of you should have my, t- my, my, my text. It's my, my cell phone, 281-772-1785. What I want you to do this week between now and next Sunday morning is I want you to text me any prophetic words, words of wisdom, words of knowledge, images, as you're praying for the church or people in the church. If you have something specific for a person, text it to me. Get clear on it. Say, God, what is this? And you say, Les, I saw a, uh, I saw a blue train going down a hill, you know, with a bear driving it. Write it down. Say, say God, what is that something you want me to give? Ask him of it. When you're, I don't mean just in your head. I saw a blue bear. But ask him about it. Text it to me, and I'll, I'll help you decide what to do with it. I'll help you decide if it's just a thing. And that's how we practice. That's how we risk, okay? If you say, I keep hearing this name this week as I pray, ask the Lord, what else do you want me to know? Who do I give this word to? Is there somebody there? But if not, text that to me, all right? So bow your heads. So Holy Spirit, we just thank you for being fully present. We thank you for uh, the power that's inherent in relationship with you. That we, we don't even take it for granted. We just don't even take it. So God, help us be really good receivers, when the enemy says, you're not worth it, you just say, shut up, you're a liar. I'm like, totally worth it. When, when, when you hear like, oh, it's going to be embarrassing, God, I want to be super embarrassed. 
I am built to be courageous. We are built to be courageous. We're built to be risk takers. We're built to be. We're built to live in this world in a different way. And the way we do that is by organizing our thoughts according to the rhythm of heaven. So, Father God, just with your Holy Spirit's help, help us to help us to work on that organization of our mind, and then help us start living out that organization. As you show us where we're off in our budget, as you show us where we're off in our spending, as you show us what our heart condition is and our thoughts are towards people. Help us to organize our mind towards people so that when we show up with people, our, our, our actions and our words are different. As, as we organize our mind according to our house, how we organize our home. Organize, help us to organize our mind according to our calendar and our time so we stop saying we're so busy. I don't have time to do what I want to do. It's so not true. We're doing what we want to do so often, and that's being distracted from things of the kingdom. Being, it's being safe. So, Father God, we say today we don't want to be safe. Bring us great discomfort. To bring us into your kingdom, bring us great discomfort to reorganize our minds, to organize it according to you, Father God. We say that the the discomfort of heaven is way better than the discomfort of a life not lived very well. And God, we just say it's never too late at any age, at any stage, wherever we're at, whatever mistakes we've made, however unorganized or messy or sloppy our brain is in any room in our brain house. Any room that's just totally devastated that we haven't looked in for years, it doesn't matter that you will bring a supernaturally accelerated organization as we pursue you. We just thank you for it. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. Amen. God bless.